Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Good morning. Well, I'm so glad you're here. We're going to get right into the Word of God. And uh, I hope you're getting ready to receive what God has for you today. Just take a moment. Close your eyes right where you are. And I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, teach me today, right now. Teach me. Help me to receive of you. Look at your neighbor and say, Amen. Well, we've been in First Peter. And um, one of the beautiful things about being in First Peter is that uh, it's right where we live. It's right where we live. I mean, Peter is talking to uh, individuals that are going through some tough times. How many of you have gone through some tough times? Raise your hand. Oh, I feel, see a few hands. <laughs> yeah, we all go through some tough times. And uh, I just want you to know is that Jesus is with you. And so before we start today, I want you to recognize that what we're going to be talking about is about being in the fire. In the fire. How many have ever been in the fire before? Let me ask you a question. How many have ever been burned by fire? You're burned by fire. Yeah. I had a hot water heater blow up in my face, caused all my skin to peel off my face and my hair to burn. And my wife was upstairs. We were remodeling a house. While I was trying to install a uh, hot water heater, I was actually light and an old one. And um, before I installed the new one, and um, it blew up. Uh, the gases didn't purge. It was having a problem with the solenoid. Gases were going in. Gases were going in. I didn't know it wasn't shutting off. And when I finally lit it, it literally blew up and disintegrated all my hair. If you don't think I have much hair now? Well. Maybe it was from the explosion, I don't know, I doubt it. But nevertheless, I was, my hand was all burned, my neck was all burned, my eyebrows, my mustache was all disintegrated, and, and my wife was yelling downstairs, what stinks? What, what is stinking in this house? And I'm on the floor rolling, you know, just rolling, because I thought I was still on fire. And um, I'll always remember that time that, Fire exploded in my face, and this is the negative aspect of fire, but there is a very positive aspect of fire. But let me just finish the story. While we were going to the hospital, um, I used to love a song. I still love this song, um, and um, it's by Don Moen, and God is good all the time. And so my son said, Dad, you want us to sing? And rightly, I was in so much pain, I was really on fire. I mean, I was still burning, you know. My head was out the window trying to get some type of comfort. And I told the kids, yes, yeah, sing. And they said, this, they were singing the song, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And then there's a chorus that says, in the darkness of the night, God's light still shines. And I'm like, God, this is definitely a, a dark night right now because... Um, and my skin was, not to be gross, but my skin was just dripping, you know, and it just, my arm it just, was just kind of hanging. I was in a lot of pain when I got to the hospital, and, and uh, they did something to me. It was so beautiful. They covered me up with these cloths. They said, you don't mind, we're going to have to cover you up. I said, I don't care. It's going to make you feel better because I'm in a lot of pain. They put it on. I was like, oh, 
Don't ever take these things off. <laughs> uh, Bernice, you know exactly because you, well, what you experience and stuff, and just a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. But I, I have to tell you this. I have to tell you this, that sometimes we spiritually go through the fire. And a spiritual fire moment can also be tough to endure. And so as we talk about faith in the fire, I want you to understand that the people who Peter, by the Spirit of God, speaking to, they're in the fire. They are in a spiritual fire. They're in, they are in some hostilities. They are in some moments where it's not all fun and games. You know what I'm talking about, fun and games? How many like to have a day? It's all fun and games. It's like, every, it's in, ah, it's all fun and games. I'm going to have a great day. It's not always like that. And so we started off in verse 4 and 5 last week. We talked about the inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready, ready to be revealed in the last time. Last week, we parked there a little bit, understanding the inheritance that God has for you that comes with this great salvation. We talked about an earthly inheritance. We talked about a heavenly inheritance. And how many rejoice about inheritance, right? Right? Inheritance can be a blessing if you use it wisely. Inheritance from heaven is an incredible blessing for the goodness and the greatness of God. And it's for you. Look at your neighbor and say, for you. So God has an inheritance, it says here, that won't fade, won't perish, won't spoil and it's kept for you. God, God, God has it under his power. Nobody can take it away. Isn't that nice to know? That when you inherit something, God's not an Indian giver. I'm reading the book of Job. And I just love Job. The story just blows me out of the water every time I read it. And Job, as you know, lost everything in one day. Everything in one day. And yet he said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. He was good with that. But see, God's not done with his story, right? you got to remember, sometimes we feel like it's taken away, but it's not taken away. Is that God's not done with the story. Look at someone and say, God's not done with your story. So I want to take the next level here today, and we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, and we're going to go all the way to verse 9. And it says this, In this you greatly rejoice, Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proven genuine and may result in praise, glory, honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Verse 8. Though you have, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with his inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Wow, this is so powerful. You see, let's, let's look at verse 6 for a second. Last week we talked about the inheritance. We talked about the good stuff, the stuff that we all like. But all of a sudden, then Peter, by the Spirit of God, changes things. And he says, in this, you greatly rejoice. How many of you, when tough times come, you like to just close the door, pretend it's not there? How many of you, when there's an elephant in the room, a big elephant in the room, you don't want to look at him? 
La, 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 la. That's your personality. A personality. We're going through a series right now, and that type of personality is what they call a green or a blue. Don't worry. We're all, as a church, going to go through that series in time to come. And everybody's got to go through it. Even if I have to come to your house. <laughs> you see, in this you greatly rejoice. I, I want you to understand this, that sometimes we always rejoice over the good stuff. But we don't always like the bad stuff. We don't like the things that are challenging sometimes in life. We want kind of like, we want every day to be a Mayberry day. But it's not that way, is it? None of us have that Mayberry day every day. But when we think about the good stuff from the inheritance, we're looking at God's provision, right? What did he provide? Great mercy and a new birth. God's protection into a, a living hope. God's promises into an inheritance that never perish, fades, or spoils. God's purpose kept in heaven for you. A plan shielded by faith. And then God's power ready to be revealed on that last time. It's awesome. God has a plan for you, for you and I, for his people. But there's a reminder. In this you greatly rejoice. And he's telling people, listen, you got to remember. Remember that word? Remember? Because we forget when we go through some tough times. So he says, in this you greatly rejoice. Now he changes what happens. But before I do, how many have ever read Ecclesiastic chapter 3? Okay? Then you know in there is a list of all the things that happens in life. And not all of them are good. Not all of them are good. And how many, right now, you've been touched by something in life that wasn't good? You just say, you know what, Lord? This was tough. This is hard. This wasn't good. I didn't, I didn't enjoy this at all, God. I have a list of those things that I could tell you. But I also can tell you this, is that I also can tell you what God did in the midst of those things that I didn't think were very good. What God was doing, even in the midst, even so, even now, even though I said, God, that wasn't too good. The reality is that God is on the scene. So he says, in this you greatly rejoice. And then let's look at the second half of the scripture. Though now for a little while you may have to have suffered grief in all kinds of trials. We don't like that, do we? So what is, Paul, what is Peter saying? I'm going to be talking about Paul and Peter, so I'm going to have to be careful on the P's today. So what is God saying to us through Peter? And what is Peter saying to those who are in persecution in, in Asia Minor, in the, north, in the north part? What is he saying? He's saying, listen, I know you know all this. You need to remember all this. But I want you to know that sometimes for a season, some say season. Sometimes seasons are tough. You ever have a bad winter or a real hot summer? Or the seasons, are, the bugs are really bad? Seasons can be really tough in our lives personally sometimes. But I want you to get this. Peter is encouraging his readers to put their knowledge into practice. This is really, it's not how much gnosis you know, how much knowledge you know. It's your practice of your knowledge. How much do you know versus how much do you do? He's reminding them of this great salvation, this great plan, this great inheritance. And he said, now I know you're rejoicing this, but you know what? You're going to have to go through seasons. And right now you're going through some trials. 
And I want you to understand that. There's going to be seasons. There's going to be seasons. There's going to be times you're going to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. And we don't like that. We, none of us do. But a living hope, watch this now, write this down. A living hope is always a result of a present joy. We're going to get this. So our circumstance and situation never dictates the joy we carry, never dictates the attitude we have, never dictates how we feel. Because if you go through life by how you feel, you're going to be a roller coaster. How many like roller coasters? Well, you're going to be on one for life. I like roller coasters. I remember one time I went on a roller coaster with one of my sons, and it was a real fast one. It was a real strong G, and I think at three Gs or something like that. And, um, and so I was excited about it, not until I saw the line. And I'm like, ugh, I hate lines, you know. And uh, so I waited on it and stuff, and we got on it, and it's, it's high. And uh, he starts getting a little scared on me. He's like, oh, Dad, oh. I'm like, oh, no, no, we're good. We're in this thing now. You got me here. We're in this, you know. When I'm in it, I'm in it to win it. So, um, so we went up there. It was a great roller coaster. It was fast. It was smooth. And the only thing I was upset about is that it was so fast, it was so smooth, it, it, the ride was over so quick. And I waited so long. And I said to myself, I waited like all that for this little tiny space of time. That was my disappointment, but it was great. But you don't want to be on a roller coaster emotionally because that will drain you out. And so he's encouraging them. You see, there are many seasons in life, and every season will give you a level of growth. you got to get this. When you go through a hardship, when you go through something, you are to learn something from that season so you become stronger. And we're going to learn this today, that faith in a fire is really built up. You're built up in character. You're built up in strength. You're built up into a greater vessel of God only, only, only if you apply what you know, your doctrine, your belief, and turn it into a behavior or a practice. Doctrine without practice is no doctrine. Belief without behavior is no belief. So I want to encourage you today because that's what Peter is saying to people going through a hardship. So maybe you're going through a hardship. Maybe online you're going through a hardship. I don't know, but God knows exactly where you are. And you need to know this, that the same God who raised from the dead can got victory over death, sin, and the grave. The same God that spoke to the waves and said, be still, is the same God who's working in your life. This is a big God who does things big, and he wants you to recognize that even though you're going through a season of suffering, even though you're going through a season of grief, even though you're going through a season of all types of trials and tribulations and hardships and frustrations and irritations and aggravations, even though... There's something about that name. There's something about that name. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to look at, how many of you know John 16, 33? Does anybody know that by heart? John 16, 33. I'm going to say it, and you're going to go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus says, you shall have trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the what? I have overcome the what? I have overcome the world. What, what is he saying? Listen, the world's going to give you some trials. The world's going to give you some grief. The world's going to give you some hardships. But you know what? I've overcome them. You need to remind yourself. Hey, guys, in Asia Minor, 
I know you're going through stuff. I know that you got Rome is coming down on you. I know the Jewish people are coming down on you. I know you're in affliction. I know you're in a type of hardship. But listen, I want you to know, Jesus overcome that. So whatever you're in right now, you need to make friends, real good friends with your God, Jesus Christ. Because this is what it's all about. So let's look at this verse here. Verse 7. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be proven genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. This is powerful. I was going to bring out a little gold ounce. Gold ounce right now is about worth $1,900. This little piece of metal about this big, by this, about three quarters inch wide and about an inch and a quarter high, maybe an inch and a half high, worth $1,900. Small little piece of metal. If you read the Old Testament, you see gold is very much used. And today, gold is of such value. Today, it's kind of going quite high. This is not the time to buy gold. Nevertheless, Gold has such great value today. But God's saying the things of this world that people value, your faith, get this now, your faith to God is more valuable than the highest sustenance that people value, and that is gold. Your money has nothing, piece of paper, is nothing compared to gold. You can take gold anywhere, and it carries its value, high value. Your piece of paper, that $10 bill in your wallet, you can take it different places and you're going to see what happens to it. See, the value of gold is of great value wherever you go. However, however, God's saying, you know what, son? You know what, daughter? Your faith, your faith is more valuable to me. And even though you go through trials and even though you go through hardships and even though it's just hard. Come on, let's practice that. It's hard. Because that's what we really feel. I mean, come on. Come on. You haven't had that day. God, this is so hard. I know I've had those days. I said, God, this is so hard. Why me? <laughs> you know, we have those moments. And then all of a sudden, God speaks one word. Oh, my word. One word. And you go, okay. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> one word. I am so amazed how God can communicate so much. Sometimes with so little Nevertheless, that trial of your faith, faith turns sound doctrine into sound practice. Faith turns sound doctrine into sound practice because you act on what you know. You see, it doesn't make a difference how much you know if you don't do it. I know I need to be nice to him, but you know what? I don't feel like it. I know none of you have ever said anything like that. But real practice is, Jesus says, love thy neighbor. Oh, I can handle that. Okay, love thy enemy. Oh, now you're touching base here. Stop meddling, pastor. Stop meddling. You see, practice of doctrine and practice of reality bringing into behavior is two different things. Faith plays the element of acting on what you know is true and you walk by faith, not by so the trials and persecutions try our faith like gold is tried in fire. 
Now, I was researching all different things, and the processes of how they purify gold today has changed so much. It keeps kind of going, and, and there's so many different... There's three main ways of purifying gold, but never, no matter which way you look at it, fire is always involved. Different chemicals, but fire is always involved. And fire is the same thing that tests our faith. Because fire has a lot of typology to it, but one of the types of fire is affliction. You know, um, have you ever touched anything hot? Come on. Any of you cooks? You, you know, of all people, this is so funny. Of all people who cook all the time, they cook all the time. And all of a sudden, they go touch something, they go, oh! And you say, don't, shouldn't you know it come out of the oven and it should be hot? I kind of think it's funny when a real cook touches something that's hot because I think of anybody. Me? I'm going to touch the thing, you know, because what do I know in the kitchen? But someone who's in the kitchen all the time and they're still getting burned, I, I think that gives me a funny for my day. How long did it going to take you to know that the oven's hot? <laughs> Nevertheless, fire is something that God's trying to purify us, help us. Um, let me read you this from 2 Corinthians. Write this scripture down. This would be good to meditate uh, tonight before you go to bed. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, and it reads as follows. For our light monetary, monetary troubles and are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So let's think about this. God wants you to walk in faith. How does your faith grow? Think about it. How does your faith grow? Does your faith grow just by simply, I believe, that's where it starts. That's where it starts. You finally believe that God so loved you so much that he died for you on the third day, he rose again, and you go, wow, I believe God died for me. I believe I'm saved because the scripture says it. And I believe what the word says. And guess what? You exhibit faith. That's how salvation starts. You exhibit faith. But how about faith now to believe God for this? And how about faith about believing God for this? And you want change in your life. You want change here. You want change here. What are you willing to have faith in God for? What's going to happen to you that you're going to actually grow in your faith? Uh, let me ask you a question. If you had a child and the child stood at two years old all their life, what would you say about that child? Please. Yeah. They have problems if they're not growing, right? They have some type of issue that they're not growing. So, saying of God, our faith, does our faith get to a point where it stops growing? Or should our faith continue to be growing because we're growing? Are you growing right now? Okay. So, okay, is your nose growing? Yeah, it doesn't stop growing. Sorry, guys. And I, have a, I had a head start over most of you. <laughs> there are some things on your body that don't stop growing. But as you are growing in many ways, how about your faith? And so here's Peter saying that these things that are coming your way are to build your faith. Even though you feel like you're in the fire. Even though you're, for a season you're under trials. This is so hard for us that we, we think, wait a minute, God sometimes allows us to go through some trials. Let me bring Job in here one more time. So I look at this story of Job, and I just have been just tearing apart a little bit 
and asking God a lot of questions for understanding. And I just want you to understand, but you've got to understand the man. Because, see, God saw Job. God knew Job. He really knew Job. He knew Job more, like, better than you. Sometimes you know someone in your own family. God knew Job. And God was making a point of what service is to a, an individual who didn't know what it was. Because he truly was flesh, but honoring. He truly was flesh, but obedient. And here is a majestic being, Satan himself, and yet could not even be like this man, Job. What a ridicule it was against Satan. How flesh, faulty, and full of failure, yet was pleasing to God and obedient to God. And here's a little scripture. In every way. Yow! What an example to follow, right? But nevertheless, Job, in his situation, in his trials, and after he lost everything, it says, in all that, Job did not sin against God or blame God. Isn't that crazy? Is that awesome? You say, well, I don't know. That's good for Job, but that wouldn't be me. Eh, let's, let's not be too sure of that. Because we don't know, but we do know that Job did it. Job had a love and a relationship with God. Isn't that the type of relationship we want with God? To be able to trust Him? You know, as the psalmist says, though He slay me, yet I will trust Him. That is what faith is really all about. Faith is trusting God even when you don't have answers. Faith is trusting God even though when you don't even like the answers. Faith is trusting God to say, God, you know what? I don't like it. I don't understand it. But I'm still, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to still walk in. And I'm going to have, watch this, watch this. This is where we fail. I'm going to have a joyful spirit. The joy of the Lord is going to be my, ha <laughs> ha. The joy of the Lord will be my strength. Why is that? That's relationship, relationship, relationship. That's what that is. Check this out now. So I was thinking in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, there was a man, I don't know if you know him, uh, was his name Paul? Anybody know Paul? And so let's read this. Verse 7, chapter 12. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Does anybody just want to sit down and, and just chew on this for a moment? This is an amazing part of scripture. Did you see what Paul said? Let's, let's look at verse 10 one more time. Verse 10. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, insults, hardship, persecution, difficulties. And when I'm weak, I'm going to be so proud I am weak. This is so much to learn here. You've got to catch this. This has changed my life. And I'm sharing with you. You see, because so often we look at the powerhouse but we don't look at the one who runs the house. And you have to recognize, realize that God is working in the midst of the storm. And as Peter is encouraging him, 
His brothers and sisters going through a tough time. We see it all through Scripture. And Paul the Apostle was given a thorn in the flesh. Now listen, listen, listen. There are so many people who try to figure out what this thorn is. Okay? It was headaches. It was seizures. It was eye problems, inflammation of the eye, of inflammation of the hand. Um, it goes on. It goes on. There's so many of them. Nobody really knows what it is. People think also of it wasn't anything sickness. It had to do with people that come against him and the false prophets. And they were such, giving him such hard times. I mean, I read them all. But no one has any evidence. Some assumptions. Assumptions. But we don't know. It, it doesn't matter what it is, actually. Because if you have a thorn in your flesh, it hurts. Has anybody, anybody like roses? I like roses. I like roses. I think something so beautiful looking and why God put a thorn on it. Mm, 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 mm. So we have roses. We're going to be having more roses because we just planted more roses out in front. And, um, and sometimes when we prune them and stuff, people say wear gloves. Pastor's not that smart. <laughs> I'm starting to learn. I am starting to learn. But you can get really messed up when you're trying to pull some weeds out of roses and stuff. You think, ah, I can put my hand in there, no problem. <laughs> yeah. The thorns will get you. The thorns will get you. But look what happened here. This is important for us. So let's, let's look at this thorn that's in Paul's flesh. Let's look at the anguish and the persecution that the people that Peter are speaking to in Asia Minor, what can we learn? What correlation can we learn here? First of all, what did Apostle Paul learn about his thorn, life in the fire? Divine power is best displayed against a backdrop of human weakness. Now we don't, you, that goes against our flesh. We don't want to be weak. We want to be all that in a bag of chips. We want to be like, I have all the answers. I'll let you know I don't have all the answers. Like to. I try to. But I have a lot to learn. I will tell you this, though, that if God's power and glory will shine through me in my weakness, then I, like Paul, say, God, I am so weak. Help this poor boy out. See, see the difference of humility? I don't have all the answers, God. I have to totally depend on you. That's what Paul was saying. Divine power is best displayed against the backdrop of a human weakness. When people in the flesh think they are all that, they don't want help from anybody. I can take care of it. I don't do it. I don't need you. I'm fine. That's what they do to God. I, have, I know how to do it, God. I don't, let me do it. Let me do it. And we have to say, God, I, I really don't know. You know more than I know. I see the keyhole. I see the few. But Lord, you have the whole door view. So we have to realize Paul learned that his weakness was not a weakness. It was a weakness in the flesh, but a strength in the spirit. What's the second thing we can learn that Paul learned from his thorn? Rather than removing the problem of the thorn, God gave Paul the grace instead. What? I want out. I don't want, I, I don't want help, God. I just want out of the pressure. I'm tired of the pressure cooker. Huh? I want out O-U-T. Has anybody ever said this to God? God, I don't want to endure this anymore. Can you just get me out? Come on, just pick. You can do it. If you can move the mountains, this is a small one, Lord. But yet, God didn't take the thorn away because the thorn had purpose. And the purpose was going to bring praise and glory. 
But the best is yet to come. Hold on. Paul prayed three times and nothing happened. People come up to me and say, well, if you, if you pray one time, you pray a second time, it's lack of faith. That's so doctrinally untrue. And I can prove it to you. Pray, pray, and pray. Anybody have any questions? Number three. Paul's thorn and burden led him to times of strength and blessing. This is, this is so good. This is so good. Uh, think about, he says this. When I'm weak, then, then I, shall, I am strong. How about this? The burden. The burden of three Hebrew children are now saying, they're saying, bow down to this 90-foot statue, Daniel chapter 3. And they say, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. The burden of standing up when everybody is bowing down. You know what happens when you're the one standing up and everybody bowing down? You stand out. And so they had the burden. But guess what? They go before the king and the king gives them one more time. They say, you know what, king? And the king says this. Oh, I like this. Nobody can take you from my hand. Ho, ho. And all of a sudden, the three Hebrew believers in God simply just said, well, king, our God can take you take us from your hand. But you know, even if he doesn't, we're going to still, we're not bowing down and we're going to serve our God. And so they throw him into the fire and then Nebuchadnezzar sees a fourth man in the fire. He comes out, all of them come out, the fourth man in the fire stood in. <laughs> you know why he stood in? When you have yours. <laughs> He's there with you too. He, the three Hebrew children come out and all of a sudden they don't smell like smoke, nothing is singed on them. It's an incredible story. What a strength and blessing. What things change. We don't like when we're, we have a thorn. We don't like when we have a problem. We don't like when we have a situation. But can I just encourage you? God's not done. Can I just encourage you? Just walk by faith even though you, you feel the heat of the fire. Be obedient in the, the understanding and the knowledge you have and put it into practice. Take your doctrine, put it into practice. Take your belief, put it into behavior. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. <laughs> now check this out. This is, this is the one. This is, this is the one that really rocks me. This is the one that I got all excited and I had to put everything down and just have a little time with God. Is this one here. Paul's words in describing his thorns, they were given to me. Now you got to catch this. Paul says, they was given unto me so that I may not get prideful. I did a little research on this, and a lot of commentaries seem to agree that a religious leader in his stature, in the flesh, were a little prideful. It could have been a tendency within Paul to get a little pumped up a little bit. This is pre... But nevertheless, when people get to see what God's doing, Paul admits, this was given to me. What's amazing about this is that Paul almost speaks of it like it's a gift. He's not angry at God. He actually accepts it and recognizes the value of the thorn. And I'm thinking, wow, God, how many times do we take, while we're in the fire, see it that God's doing a greater value in our character, a greater value in our testimony, a greater value for how we proclaim God in the midst of the fire, in the midst of a flame. How is your praise when you have a problem? How much does praise flow from your lips, from your heart, when you feel the problems and the pressure and the pain 
of the fire. You see, Paul's actually boasting about it. He's actually proclaiming it. If you read it and look at it, he's almost thankful for the thorn because God will be glorified even greater. Listen to this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16, 19. Be joyful always, except if you're in the fire. Does it say that? But you see, is what happens. Are we joyful when we, we feel our faith is in the fire? No. No, because all we're doing is, you know, I, can I, I, let me... Let me mock me. Huh? I know not you. This is you, right? But it says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Watch this. Give thanks in all circumstances. It didn't say give thanks for the circumstance. It's in the circumstance. And when you're in the fire, what is that fire going to do? How is it going to purify you? How is it going to take out some of the impurities in your life? How is it going to challenge you? How is it going to remold you? You have to ask God. God's doing something when you're in the fire. But we just want to say, God, I want out of the fire. No, if you love me, you will. It doesn't work that way. It don't work that way. This is a relationship. It says this, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is powerful. I mean, think about this. Faith is trusting God when you don't understand. Did Abraham trust God when he didn't understand? Ah, just take off. Abraham, get out, of, get, out, get out of Ur. Go. I want you to go. Where am I going? I'll let you know. The Hebrew children, Daniel, Job, they all had to trust God. Listen to this quote by Spurgeon. I like this a lot. Charles Spurgeon said, a little faith may take your soul to heaven, but great faith will bring heaven to your soul. I think that says it so well when you understand the relationship with God that you carry God everywhere and what God's word says. Remember, it's your doctrine into practice. It's your belief into behavior. Now, I gave everybody an elastic. How many got your elastics? <laughs> okay, how uh, many of you got rubber bands? <laughs> oh, I got one over there. <laughs> okay, let me just say something. Faith is like a muscle. It needs to be activated. But what faith will often be like is an elastic. Elastic, in order for you to understand its strength, it has to be stretched. You see, I'm going to put elastic around this. I need to hold this because elastic holds things together just like your faith holds your beliefs together. But look at this. It's not going to do no good, is it? Because this doesn't fit. But what do we do with the elastic when we want to do something? We twist it and we twist it again. And now this thing's not coming off. The elastic holds it together. But in order for this to hold together, it had to be stretched. Your faith has to be st stretched. And God wants to stretch you. I remember one time I took Stretch Armstrong, and I, I had one of my kids grab his arm. And that baby stretched. I mean, we were just like, and I'm thinking, don't let go. Whatever you do, buddy, don't let go of that thing. And we stretched it and stretched it. It didn't break. But years later, years later, it was stuck somewhere in the closet, and I went to get it. And I have to tell you, they do leak after a long time. <laughs> Mr. Stretch Armstrong got a hole. 
liquid fat to come out of him. And um, it, he wasn't as good as he was before. But we're like elastic bands. We are, we, our faith needs to be stretched in order to be strong. You see, that's an important thing for you to know. If God seems to be stretching you, he's actually only stretching you so you can have greater faith. He's not out to hurt you. He's actually helping you to be stronger. But how many says, yeah, please stretch me. Go ahead, stretch me, God. I'll, I'll take whatever. No, we don't ask God to stretch us, do we? We don't. You know what we say? Hey, God, I got enough of my play. I, I, I don't want any extra challenges. But I've learned this, and I've learned this so well, that God will do greater works in your life if you allow him to stretch you. If you allow him to say, God, my heart desire is to please you, and I will please you in whatever circumstance or situation I am. I will walk according to what my doctrine says, my belief says, and Lord, will you help me through it's in my behavior. Whether I like it or not, God, I am all in. You see, we sometimes quit, but that faith, that elastic band, in order to see the real power, it has to be stretched. And your faith grows when you go through situations and circumstances in your life. We don't like it, but it's true. James says this in one. Consider it pure, pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops, develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. You see, what, you see what's happening here? It starts off saying, I know you rejoice in all this, but these trials are coming to you in your life to make you stronger. They're not to hurt you. Character is always built when you go through something. You, if you want to see a person who has strong character, if you want to see a person who has a strong belief, I'm going to probably tell you they've gone through some things. They've gone through some things to, to make them strong. Let's, let's look at these two more scriptures here. Verse 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Uh, let's, let's get this because Peter is not only just talking to first-hand believers, but he's talking to people who haven't seen Jesus. All they've experienced is the life transformation. If you've accepted Jesus in this room, you've had a life transformational moment with God. You know, you probably got saved one day and looked at a tree and say, that's an awesome tree. Or maybe you looked at the clouds and say, oh, look at those clouds. So you can have these transformations that you can have these moments where everything's new to you because God just did a work. I had a transformational moment with God that literally changed my whole life. And because of that, others saw it. How about the story of Thomas. Anybody know the story of Thomas? How many identify with Thomas? <laughs> huh? Yeah. You know, Thomas was a believer. He was a follower. He really saw Jesus as going to be the Messiah that bring all the answers. And then a good Friday took place. And poor Thomas didn't handle it very well. But then the disciples and the young ladies all saw Jesus. And, and Thomas wasn't there. And they said, hey, he's alive. We've seen him. We've seen him. But Thomas says, no, no. This is what he says. 
in John chapter 20. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers in the nails where the nails were and put my hand on the side, I will not believe. Can, do you think he's having a problem with faith? See? Because he's been dramatized, hurt, disappointed, and now they're asking him to believe again. Oh, I believed before. No, no, I was following Jesus and I believed. And look what it got me. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not going down that road again. Have you sung that song? Yeah, God, I did it once before. Oh, not doing it again. Uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, one week later, one week later, Jesus appears with the disciples. And this time, Thomas is there. And this is what Jesus says to him. Because as soon as the first person he goes to is Thomas. It's so cool. God heard his words, though he was not there. God hears your words when you don't think God is there. He goes like this. He said, peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. I could turn that into a message. (laughs) Stop doubting and believe. How would our lives be better, stronger, greater if we stop doubting what God has already said? How greater will our attitudes be if we understood that the God of glory, the God of all creation, is working on our behalf? How would our lives be when things are going not too good, you have no answers, you're not sure, but you know what? You're God. You know your God's on the throne and you believe what God says. That no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And you believe that. How how will that change us? Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, Lord, my God. And then Jesus says these words. And we got to remind them. We got to take them to heart. The people in Asia Minor needed to remember what God's word says. That's why Peter's writing to them. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. He's writing to them, those that didn't see Jesus. But he's saying, but you have this inexpressible joy that he has given you. And you know he's so real because you're different. You're changed. I'm sorry, but if you're a saved believer, if you know Jesus, how is talking to God while we were worshiping and we're singing the song, Jesus and Jesus. And I was saying in my mind, you know what? That song for some people, keep talking about Jesus, Jesus. is like, okay, uh, enough now. Jesus, Jesus. But the people who just love Jesus, <laughs> they just love Jesus. Like, Jesus, oh, Lord, Jesus, you are my rock. You are my Savior. Uh, there's no name like your name. There's no God like our God. He says, it says this, in, in the scriptures, even though you do not see him, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. And think about it. I, I was going through my mind. How many things you can't see? How many things you can't see? You can't see it, but you, you, you participate it every day. Uh, you, you know it's there. I was just going through some things here. and Wind. You can't see wind, right? Jesus gave a great analogy of that. You see the results of the storm. You see the results of a wind. You know, when Al's hair is blowing in the wind, you know that the wind's out. (laughs) How about germs? You can't see germs, can you? But we know germs are out there and people get sick because of germs. We see the results 
of the germ being in contact with you, but you can't see germs, and yet people believe in germs, and people believe there's wind, and people believe in radio waves because you go to a car, you turn on your radio, and you stop moving to the beat because it's music. You don't see the radio waves, but you automatically put your radio on, and if it doesn't work, you don't say, hey, there's no radio waves. You say, your radio's broken. People believe in radio waves. They haven't seen them, but they believe them. People, oh, I love this one, air. How, how many came into the building today say, oh, I hope there's enough air in the building? I don't think anybody in this room woke up in the morning and said, I hope there's air. I'm not going to run out of air today. Now, I will say that if a person has asthma, they have a different perspective on air. But for a person who doesn't have no problem with breathing, they, they have no problem. Matter of fact, if they have air in their bodies, this is what's going to be. They're going to have air in their lungs, and they'll have a smile on their face. And they'll believe in air. They believe in air. They can't see it, but they, they believe it's true. How about this? The Internet. Oh, Lord, what would life be without the Internet? Mmm. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Isn't it crazy how, you know, people go all over the place and they just look at a particular, all the services and or where the internet is and hit it and they just get on it. They don't see the waves of the internet. They don't, they don't know how it works. They just know if they just touch the button, touch the, the link there, voila, they're hooked up. They believe. They can't see nothing. They just know it's there. We don't see a lot of things, but we see the results of it. Let me just mention a couple more. Sound waves. How many of you are hearing my voice? Nobody. Oh, there, my, there must be no sine waves, sound waves in this building. How about thoughts? Does anybody see thoughts? No, you don't see thoughts, but you see the actions of thoughts and words or thoughts and action. But you don't see thoughts. There's a lot of things you don't see, but you see the results of them. Can I just remind you of what's all around you you live in? That Romans says that the whole world is without excuse because of all the magnificent things that God's created that shows an intelligent design. It's crazy how we want to strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. But he, this is to encourage us. He says, I know you don't see them, but you've experienced the power that comes from Jesus Christ. And if you get a hold of Jesus Christ, there is a power that's in there. There is a provision through the power of the Spirit of God that will ignite the house, the living tabernacle, where you are changed by His Spirit, changed by the power of God. It's in the name of Jesus Christ. That's where we have to recognize and realize who God is. God is on our side. God is with his people. Even when we are in the fire, there is faith. And faith extinguishes every fiery dart that the enemy of your soul will fire at you as you put on the armor of God. Hebrews 1, 11, 1 says, And faith is a substance of things not seen, but hoped for. And without faith, verse 6, it's impossible. It is impossible to please God without faith. So when your faith is tested, and it will happen, you will feel you're in the fire. But don't be discouraged. Because you're not the only one who has been in the fire. 
Amen? This is the beautiful thing. You're not the only one. There's this great salvation that God is given to you, that you're participating in. And one day, the completeness of it's going to be revealed. So as the people were going through hardship, and you can identify it if you're going through hardship. Maybe there's a hardship on your mind. Your mind has all these things on it, and you, and you don't have peace because you keep thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking, and you're wearing yourself out. There's no peace. But when you take your Jesus and you place him at the right center, you say, God, you got this. You got this. You and I together, we're majority. Ephesians 8, 2, 8, excuse me, says this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There's work to do. Brothers and sisters, friends, there's work to do. It's important. And let me leave you with this portion right here. 1 John 5, 3 and 5. This is love for God, to obey his command, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. Some say overcomes the world. That's an application of doctrine and practice, belief and behavior when you take God's word for what God's word says and apply it to your life God overcomes the world this is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith who is it that overcomes the world catch this this is where it makes my liver quiver right here only he who believes that Jesus is the son of God can you give some praise in the house of the Lord he's on your side he's with you he's in you and the best is yet to come the best is yet to come but there's still work for us to do now maybe you're watching online maybe you're here today Jesus is not your savior Jesus wants to become your savior he wants you to understand all he has for you but you got to get in the book because his book it's about him. And if you want to know the author, you got to read the book. You see, Jesus died for your sins. And he gave a great salvation. And on the third day, he rose again. He rose again, defeating death, sin, and the grave. But are you ready? If you died right now, is heaven your home? That's a question that you have to ask yourself. Those watching by online have to ask yourself. And then we as God's people need to ask other people. Listen, if you died right now, are you ready for heaven? Ask the question. You never can see what God can do if you just don't ask that simple question. Somebody asked me the question. And I said, I need to know truth. And the truth set me free. And he changed my life. He can do the same for you. He can do the same for you. Can you stand to your feet? God so loves you so very much. But he wants all of you. He wants all of you. How many of you 
want to make Jesus your Savior. How out there? Make Jesus your Savior. Amen. Amen. How many of you feel like you've been through the fire? You've been through the fire and you just, Lord, say, Lord, it's been really hot. It's really been hard. I've been really struggling, Lord. How many would say that's you? Yes, 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 yes. You see, it's okay because he's, he's the fourth man in the fire. Isn't that good to know? He's the fourth man. He's with you. He's with you. Look at your brother and your sister and tell them, he's with you. He's with you. Hallelujah. Let's go before the Father. <laughs> Lord, we are so grateful for who you are and all that you do. God, will you just be with each one? Lord, for those who are saying, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Right now, they recognize their sin. They're asking for forgiveness. And Lord, right now, I pray as they ask you to forgive them of their sin and invite you to be Lord and Savior of their life, God, will you go before them? God, will you help them? Will you bring them into a good church? Will you touch those here as they yield their whole heart to you? God, we ask this. Those that seem like they're in the fire right now, Lord, encourage their soul. Help them to remember your goodness and your greatness that you are a God that never leaves us, that you are closer than a brother. God, we just ask right now, will you touch each one? We ask this, we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people with a loud voice said, amen, amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.